Welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create your dream business so you can live the dream lifestyle that you want and deserve. Yes, success is not only possible, you deserve success. And now, welcome the dream business coach, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. As always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. we got a great, great guest this week. His name is Jeff Clyde. He's the author of Networking with the Cards You Are Dealt. Let me briefly introduce Jeff, and we'll bring him right on. As I said, Jeff is the author of Networking with the Cards You Are Dealt. He is a speaker, a business strategist, and consultant. His expertise in creating a best-in-class sales and customer service uh, team started back in his days working as a tipped valet for Disneyland Hotel, where he could learn from people like Michael Eisner, former CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Jeff's genuine approach to helping others has afforded him the opportunity to grow, to build, and ultimately sell his shares in the same company where he started out as a commissioned salesperson. Jeff then opened up his second agency and created a best-in-class online insurance presence, which quickly became one of the premier online insurance agencies in the country. And in 2013, Jeff sold this website, personaltrainerinsurance.com, and the clients attached to it to a division of AON Insurance, and one of the world's uh, largest insurance brokerages. Today, Jeff is the founder and partner of a residential finance company. Again, as I said, he's also a motivational speaker, consultant, and an author. Jeff, that is a doggone long resume. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I uh, I think it was simplified, by the way. That's uh, a lot of craziness in there. I know, and you know, this is my fourth interview today, and I think, as I said, A-O-N, I think it's Aon, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is Aon, it's uh, it's Aon, but that's okay, it's Aon. That's okay, we just gave everybody a <laughs> chuckle over my <laughs> malpractice yeah. on the English language there. Um, so you you are, I want to get right into the Disney thing, but I always, I always want to kind of set the table a little bit. So give us a little bit of um, your journey um, how you how you ended up at Disney? What you learned? I'm a huge fan of Disney. I've never interviewed anybody from Disney, by the way, who turned out to be a schlub. I mean, that company just turns out some really really high quality people. So, give us a little bit of the backstory. You know, I'll give you two two backstories. So the backstory is, you know, as a, as a kid in college, I actually applied for Disneyland Hotel and I applied for the Ritz Carlton down here in Laguna Niguel, out here in California, and. Disney kept wanting to hire me in a certain capacity. They wanted to hire me as a page, not a valet, and I kept fighting them. And I ultimately got a job at the Ritz-Carlton, and finally, after fighting and fighting and fighting, before I took the job, I got told I could get the job at Disneyland as a valet. And quite frankly, the first decision was, I want to do it because it sounds like the funnest thing in the world. Like, honestly, I mean, that's, that was my decision, but I had no idea what it was going to do for me down the road. Honestly, I mean, the, the, the first decision was, this is going to be really cool. I'm going to work at Disneyland. But it changed my life working there. So, I mean, and when did, did you ever, um, did you ever connect with uh, Michael Eisner or is it just under his tutelage at, at that time? Was that when, when your experience was? No, it's actually very funny. Well, it was exactly that moment when, when Michael Eisner and Frank Wells, before he died, both controlled Disney. And 
the best thing about it, not only did I have interactions with Michael Eisner regularly, but I had interactions with him that changed my life that I actually put in my book because he, he truly, and I, and I call it the tells of a great networker because every time he got out of the car, he would absolutely come over and say, hey, Jeff, how are you doing? And, it, you know, depending on who was there, I'm sure he said hi to everybody. But my point is I never realized he was looking at my name tag. Like he was totally engaged and, you know, being the CEO of the, you know, the leader of a free world company. You know, like, I mean, that was a big company back in the day. They didn't have Google. They didn't have this other stuff. And he was always gracious. And then I met him years later as a president. As, when I was president of a company, I met him in a different setting, and he was the same person. And then, believe it or not, just last week in my mailbox – because I, I, I ended up getting a book to him. Just last week, I actually got a handwritten note from Michael Eisner on my desk here at my office, and I was like posted it to every one of my friends. I posted it all over Facebook. Like I couldn't have been more excited about that. Like it was the most exciting week of my life last week. So it's very cool. So Twenty seven cool. years yes. later. Yeah. So when you went from Disney, and then I know you um, were in insurance and, and grew a very large and successful business there. After you did insurance, what came after that? So I kind of sold off my insurance in two different phases. I, I sold off in 2008, and then I started doing uh, – like I was like a mad scientist building an Internet play because I had already started in that space, and I ended up building several thousand policies on the Internet. And then when I sold it off, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I actually partnered with a friend who was a residential lender, a mortgage broker, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to help you. We're going to go out and get loans, and we're going to do this stuff. And I started doing it with him for about a year, and I was like, you know what, we've got to do it differently. So then I set out and wrote the book that I wrote, and then it made me go, you know what, I love you as a partner. We're still partners. I don't want to go chase loans. I really want to help people grow their business. And so now I, uh, I run a consulting company, Jeff Clyde Consulting, and I help businesses kind of do what I did because that made sense to me. Hmm. So when did when did the book come out? Networking with the cards you are dealt. The book came out at the beginning of the year, and I started doing a lot of workshops and um, you know just because of my network, I have a lot of friends that kind of embraced it. And people had been asking me for years, like every time I ended up at a breakfast or a lunch or a networking event, people would always say, "Hey, how did you do that? How did you do that? Hey, I'm looking to do that." And so the book kind of, even though it only came out in January, it it was really kind of in my head because I kept having those interactions. So January, it was officially launched. Good for you. Um, I know uh, Chapter 2, you have a, a section in there called, Am I a Farmer or a Miner? Talk about that a little bit. So, you know, I think of myself as a farmer. A farmer, you know, I, I plant the seeds with people. I cultivate the land. I, you know, water the land a little bit. I, you know, build relationships. And I watch it, and I'm patient. And then if I do a good job, I've cultivated some relationships, and I turned into something. And I know a lot of people use the other analogies, but to me, I always visualize, like with a lot of the guys that worked for me, uh, and just people that surrounded me that were really true, you know, fast-talking sales guys, they're miners. They're constantly chipping away, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not my style. So, you know, you see, like, chip, 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 you know, like constantly throwing different deals and accounts, you know, trying to get, you know, to the gold, and I just always kind of farm. I walk down the street, and I watch what's going on, and I develop relationships, and, you know, if I do it right, those relationships turn into long-term relationships and that's farming to me 
That's exactly right. Yeah, planting seed. If you want to have a big harvest, you got to plant a lot of seeds. You know, you, um, you got to be out all the time. Uh, every day, you know. In fact, there's a kind of a cardinal rule for for me and what I do. It's like if if you don't do at least one thing every day. I mean, a lot of times we get busy just on current business, but if you don't do at least one thing every day, that's planting a seed which could turn into future business. I think you're you're it's basically entrepreneurial malpractice, as I've said in the past. Yeah, and I think you know, I mean, I mean, for me, what cracks me up, and and specifically lately, what cracks me up is that people are constantly, you know, there's like this double-edged sword. Like, well, if you're always out picking up relationships and networking, how do you have time to do business? And it means you have no business. And I'm like, no, you know what? You want to be out developing those relationships all the time because you never know when you're not going to have business. And if you give, if you just jump in and say, you know what? Oh, here I am. I'm ready to do business again. People don't embrace that. People don't like that. They want you to be genuinely involved in what they're doing. What is um? Cha- what is chapter four? It says the turn. What is the turn? Is that a certain part of the is a part of the relationship, or what do you mean by that? Well, so so first of all, the, the the book is based on. If you're not a poker player, the book is based on strategies of Texas Hold'em. So uh-huh. Texas Hold'em, and you don't have to be a poker player to read the book, but I did it based on the strategies of Texas Hold'em because in Texas Hold'em, it's the one poker game where you actually can win with the worst cards. And so I focus on the cards you're dealt. I focus, focus on the hand you have, like who you are and how you are and the struggles you have to overcome. And so um, in the book, the turn, you, you basically – is right is after the flop and we could I mean look we can get into the whole poker thing but the turn is where you've kind of you've you've decided all right I'm staying in this relationship I'm going to going to see where this goes I'm going to develop you know the relationship a little further and I'm going to go see what the next card brings me and I'm going to see what the the next step for us brings me that's really what the turn is hmm very cool um you know, you talk about working trade show booths for clients of yours and things like that. And I got to tell you, I've worked more than my fair share in my career, and you know, I, I, I help some of my clients today get ready for trade show booths. And most people, I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this. Most people view going to be in a trade show as like, I don't know, it's almost second to death. You sit there behind a table and just, blah, you know. It, but you, you Jeff, um, you view it as an opportunity. Where most people, I think, you, to use your language in the books, see it as like a boondoggle. What, what yeah. do you talk about? Yeah. Um, how a company can make the most of? Because it's a large investment that not only in time but money. Yeah. So you know, it's funny because there's, there's, you know, some people send their employees there because they think it's a reward. Like we're going to send these people because we want to get them out of here and we think they should be rewarded by going to a boondoggle. And then at the same time, they complain about the money they spend. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Then on the other hand, you have companies that say, oh, well, we're going to touch all of our clients at once. And, you know, we brought back X amount of dollars from there. And you're like, okay, but you would have brought back those same dollars if you would have gone in each direction and seen those 16 clients. So it really, what I did was I said, okay, I've been to 600 trade shows, and out of all the trade shows I've been to, I look at it, and I very rarely have a booth, by the way. So I've always been able to kind of attach to my clients, and I've always been able to kind of look at what's around us, not what's actually walking past us. And so I actually developed a process for going to trade shows six months before the show. When you get to the show, 
when while you're at the show and then when you leave the show and then six months after the show, which by the way, if you do the math, it's six months before the show. But but it you know it allows because then cause, you know people have to decide what they really want. Like what's their ROI they're expecting? Is it is it truly relationship development? Is it truly end user sales? Or is it truly like we're going to get out of our own way and we're going to we're going to you know send someone there with a different set of eyes and we're going to see what relationships these guys are missing and how we can develop other relationships and maybe even develop other you know other ties with different people that have nothing to do with what we're selling. And that's really what I did for all those years. I always developed relationships with people that were around me that had nothing to do with what I was selling. Very cool. You know, one of the things that uh, Disney is best known for is obviously sales and customer service. Um, you must have learned some pretty cool lessons from uh, from your years there. Can you share a few? You know, it changed my life. I mean, and, and I say that not even jokingly. It taught me that, the, you know, that client, I mean, think about this, first of all. I was a valet, right? So I parked cars. And that meant, and it was when the Disneyland Hotel was the only hotel there. So imagine telling somebody no 10 different ways. So someone pulls up and there's, you know, it's the middle of the summer and you tell them, no, your room's not ready. No, you can't get in. No, you have to leave your bags with us. No, you can't change from your long trip. You know, no, you can't take a shower in your room. And oh, by the way, you have to tip me. Like, imagine all of that. And you don't literally tell them you have to tip me, but I mean, you you get the point. And yeah. you have to. And Disney teaches you how you communicate with the guest, not the customer. They teach you how to make that experience best. And by the way. I can't say they don't do it now, but I can tell you I go to the park all the time. I go to Disneyland a lot. It's not what it was when I learned how to do it. I will just tell you that, and I don't think anything is, by the way, but I'm trying to bring that back to clients. Like, I see that. That's a big deal. Like, I learned how to, you know, I didn't, I didn't set out to be, like, this expert customer service guy. I set out to figure out how I make the most tips in what I do. But then I learned, and then years later when I was president of my company, I was sitting in my office, and I'm like, wait a minute. I realized that by helping this guy get to the restaurant that brought him great memories when he was a child, not only did he not give me a dollar that he was going to give me, he gave me $5. So I created the best customer experience for that guy he could imagine. And ultimately, he came back and rewarded me five times more than that reward. And I genuinely wanted to make sure he had the best experience. So I, learned, I really realized what it did many years later. And I, and I actually told that to Michael Eisner, by the way, almost 15 years after I worked there, I told him the experience that I had and who I became from that experience that I learned working at that drive. And it was great wow. that he actually acknowledged that. It was very cool. I mean, he was certainly a customer service focused guy. So I'm guessing somewhere, <clears throat> somewhere along the line, they, 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 in your opinion, they lost a little bit of that, uh, that edge, the customer edge. I, I, I look, I would say that people in general don't have that same desire to help everybody the way they used to. And so I, I won't tell you that the training has lost something. I will tell you that it's, you know, it's harder to find people and pick away. Like I, I personally think that some of the people at Starbucks do a great job. Like they have this unique style about them, right? Um, Disney, they're still great people. Like I love going there. It's still clean. It's still everything. But at the end of the day, I will definitely tell you that I've had interactions with people there that 
I walk away and I shake my head and my wife kind of says to me, just forget about it. Let's go have fun. <laughs> because like I'm, a, I, I, you know, because I mean, you want, you want a perfect experience because that's what it should be. And I'm not saying it's not, it's probably, you know, it's probably still 95, 98%. But if I have that interaction with that one person and I know that I didn't have that before. And, and, it, and by the way, there was also people I worked with that I worked there at the time that didn't have that same, you know, willingness to go beyond and go above. But at the same time, it I didn't notice it like I notice it now as a consumer when I go there. Yeah. We were at a restaurant, um, I won't name it, but just this past weekend, and we walked in there, and I, first of all, I have the patience of a gnat, I admit that, but we stood there easily for four or five minutes. I'm not saying like 30 seconds or a minute, but four or five minutes, and nobody's greeting us. And I'm like, my wife knows me, so I just calm down. We need to eat. Just stay subtle yourself. But then, then somebody walked up and said, "This way, please." Not hello, welcome. You know, nothing. Uh, just yeah. oh, it's such. I mean, it just doesn't take that much to give people a great, you know, best in class experience, as you say. To and and it's just so easy to lose it. And anyway, um, it's simple. I mean, it, it can't even be. I mean, it just it. Believe me, it, it irks me. And in fact, I, I I spend a lot of time now, like on Snapchat, um, posting like you know six ten second videos about like an experience, and or on Facebook or something, and I'll do something, and I do it intentionally. But I actually don't do it when I'm in the moment of that frustration. I actually think about it. I think, okay, what was it like in that situation? What was it like in that restaurant? What was it like? And then I actually think about it. And then sometimes it's like, okay, why is it that this person kept telling me that the person that works for them needs more training rather than saying maybe we should train them better? Like mm. it just clicks with me. Like, it, and, and by the way, it's become a pet peeve. Like, I feel like I'm uber-sensitive, like I've got spidey sense. Like, it really – and I joke that it bugs the heck out of me because, you, you know, it. I don't care if it's a part-time job. You need to be 100% working in that space when you are working that four hours or that eight hours or whatever it is. And then when you leave, you can do whatever you want to do. That's mm. just my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty strong about it, by the way. I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I don't hold back. Yeah, right. So I know you're a consultant now. You work with different companies. Do you mostly work on the customer service side, or kind of the networking, or what's the what's the main uh, the main? You know, thing it really is. Your time on. You know, it's a good question because it, 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 I have such a diverse background. Uh, it really is based on sales and customer service. I mean, the best the best and shortest answer would be. You know, I understand market identification, I understand sales penetration, and I understand customer retention through providing excellent service. So if a company needs, you know, their team to focus more on sales, then I'm going to roll up my sleeves and we're going to figure out what their team is like. And by the way, that's part of what my card you were dealt is. It's like it's about figuring out if their sales team is able to take the direction that the top management wants to go and that's the first hurdle like I'm working with a company right now who has the most amazing reclaimed stone they actually import reclaimed stone from out of the country they've got two showrooms they do a great job the product sells itself now we're working on is it marketing or is it sales that we need to focus on and I say that because there's a difference and for some reason people have kind of gotten lost in that difference so, one of the things you also, what I do, Jeff. One of the things I know you also do is um, you you teach people how to have a business that can survive without them. 
where did where did that focus come from? Is that is that a need that you've seen out there, or I mean, so many companies today are just so today focused, right? And then next thing you know, something happens, tragedy or otherwise, and the business kind of goes away when you go away. Yeah, you know, um, I I actually did it wrong the first time and right the second time, and now I'm trying to create a balance. <laughs> so the first time, I was needed at every step of the turn and when i when i decided it was time to separate from business and, and kind of move my family down south and do something new and kind of simplify a little it was really hard to do that it was very difficult and then about five years later when i sold my second company which was the internet insurance program it, i did such a good job at not being needed that they got rid of me too quick so, so <laughs> On the, I mean, honestly, like we built, like I was like a madman in a room, and I was building this tinkering this website, and the website was so amazing. Literally, we sold thousands of insurance policies online where people would actually, you know, literally quote, click, bind, charge a credit card, and get the policy. And I had four employees servicing thousands of people and a hundred calls a day, and it was just so efficient that they didn't need me. So I, I, you need to create a balance in between the two, and so I've kind of figured out the model for both of those. Like that there's a balance between someone buying you and kicking you out the curb and then you having to figure out how to separate from your company, otherwise it doesn't survive without you. So when you sold that um, business to Aon, uh, was your goal to still be used as a, a consultant? But I guess what you're saying is you built it so well that they didn't need you and then you were gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew, I mean, my goal, it, it was actually an unsolicited offer. I, I had actually gone to that division and said, hey, I'd love to borrow a bunch of money because I'd really like to grow this and kick the walls out because it was really doing great with what it did, but then I finally realized I need to take it into a new direction because it, it kind of became a lifestyle business. Like I, I did a really, like I, I did a really good job positioning it that, it didn't need me that at the same time I was starting to get motivated and I wanted to really grow back in the space I was in. And because then they said to me, oh, you know what, we'll give you the money or, you know what, we'd like to give you a bunch of money and have you walk away. And no, we really don't want you because we know you're still going to build other products for us and we're going to let you keep all the other stuff that we're not buying. And we're going to give you, and they basically left me with, they bought one website with a bunch of policies. They left me with another website with a bunch of insurance products, and then I just wasn't as motivated to go start from scratch and do it. It didn't excite me like I thought it would. So yeah. does that answer your question, I hope? It really does. So just just out of curiosity with the timeline, where were we when that happened? Was that the 2013 time frame? That was 2013. Okay. And from that, that day to... Yeah, and so from then uh, until today, is that when you moved into consulting and, and authored the book and things like that? Yeah, so all that's kind of happened over the last two and a half years or so, three years. Wow. And so what's the name of your consultancy? Is it just your name, Jeff it, Clyde? Or? It's actually, yeah, it's Jeff Clyde Consulting, and uh, it's actually only because I love the name so much. It's actually under the website is actually cardyouwerdealt.com. I like that. So, Very thank cool. You. 
it, it's very funny because now I have a lot of people that, you know, like they'll see, like someone will say, well, that was just the cards I was dealt or, you know, that was the card you're dealt, right, Jeff? And so I get a lot of funny posts from my friends and I get a lot of stuff and, and they're like, where'd you come up with it? I'm like, that's just life, man. That's, uh, you know, the cards I was dealt. I mean, you, you, you get hurdles, you jump over them and, and then sometimes you get bogged down and you get hurdles again. I mean, you just figure it out. I hope you trademark that. You don't have to say yes or no, but you should trademark that because it really is. You know, when 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 you become of the when you become part of the common vernacular or common sayings, that's when that's when your brand is going to take on some real uh, some real value. So the next time the next time your 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 payday will be even larger. Anyway, don't say yes or no. Just think about that. Um, so Thanks. kind of the last. You're welcome. Kind of the last question. Um, you know. Um, Talk about networking at trade shows again, just real briefly, because um, you know I've, I've helped a few of my clients. And first thing I say is, get rid of the table and push it to the side or the back, and stand out and don't you know greet people, be semi out in the aisle. I mean, there's all these different things other than just sitting there looking down at your phone and going, "Man, this sucks." What are what are some of the ways that um, people can take the whole experience of a, of a trade show and actually have it turn into some business? You know, I personally, I don't even look in front of me. Like, I don't even sit there at the booth. Clearly, someone has to, and you figure it out. But I go, and I spend a lot of time looking at all the other booths, and not just the competitors. I want to know where the traffic that should be coming to me, because we all believe everything we sell, people should be coming to us, right? Like, I mean, right. you know, why aren't they stopping by? They own it. You know, they own this thing. I sell this product. They should stop at me. I look at the stuff that's not what I'm selling. You know, for example, if I'm a door manufacturer, I'm going to look at the hardware guy across the room, and I'm going to see who's going to the hardware guy. And then I'm going to figure out how to develop a relationship with the hardware guy to see if we have something in common, to see if there's an opportunity for us to meet. Because the hardware guy is going to be the person who's going to, you know, say, hey, you know what? My my hardware looks great on that door. Like, that's... That's what I look for. I don't necessarily look for what's in front of me and the traffic that's coming through. I look for those relationship opportunities and those people I can meet outside of that. And I spend a lot of my time walking through there. And then, you know, besides the other side of things, the one thing I don't do and a lot of people do, I never look at the name tag and decide what my relationship with that person is going to be. And, and I say that because so many people – train their employees to look at, you know, oh, he's a vice president or she's a vice president or they're a leader or whatever. I'm like, you know what? i got to tell you, I have a lot of friends that I've made because they were the kind of people that would have normally got ignored, but they have the ear of the person I need to get to, and they, they're good people, but they're ignored because they don't have the right name tag or the right whatever. So that's what I would say. I would say look where no one is looking, and now that I'm telling you it publicly, hopefully more people will do it. But hopefully they hire me to help them do it. I mean, let's <laughs> – but no, I mean, but you get it. I mean, you, you get yeah. – that, that's just an opportunity that is always missed. And I can tell you stories of how those played out for me absolutely ten times over. But the other side of it is it's a long play. You have to be in it for the long run. You have to show up those shows regularly. You have to go where people are going. You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to bring home X amount of revenue this show. And if you do – you should be out of the trade show business. I agree with you. Hey, Jeff, how can uh, people connect with you and uh, learn more about you and get the book and all that? 
you know, if you go to cardyourdealt.com, there's actually a buy the book section right in the top row there. You can um, you can also email me directly at jeff at jeffclyde.com. It's jeff at jeffkleid.com. Um, you can also, you know, I mean, I'm all over the place. And, and as long as you can spell Clyde, <laughs> you can find me. Uh, and as long as you can find Cards You Were Dealt, I'm on Amazon. Uh, and, 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 yeah, we actually, by the way, we have a book, and we actually have a deck of cards that have introvert and extrovert traits that people actually can engage with, and it teaches them who they are. Like, for example, one says boisterous, one says have no filter, one says shy. Um, so it's all over, and then we're actually – I'm hoping to launch a game here pretty quick, uh, kind of more of a kind of deck of cards that people can read through on an app so they can kind of look at it when they go into a situation. So oh, we're working on that right now. So, uh, well, and so yes, I have a little control over what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed our time together, Jeff. Thank you so much for being on my program. Oh, Jim, thank you so much for having me. I, I really I enjoyed chatting with you, and I really uh, look forward to – you know, keeping in touch, and I appreciate it very much. Very cool. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with Jeff Clyde. He is the author of the hit book, Networking with the Cards You Are Dealt. Stick Like Glue, remember, it's the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I am your host, Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, now go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, For everybody. more information and free resources on how to create your dream business, connect with Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, at www.getjimpalmer.com. And be sure to check out Dream Business Coach TV, powerful two-minute videos filled with Jim's unique smart marketing and business-building advice. See them all at www.dreambizcoach.tv. That's www.dreambizcoach.tv. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue Radio. And remember, success is not only possible, you deserve success.